Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of the Talk About Cancer podcast. This is your host, Serena. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, don't forget to take a moment to hit that follow button. And what would be even more amazing is if you can leave an honest rating review so I know how to continue to make this better for you. In today's episode, Angel shared how being a nurse has affected her experience with her mom's cancer care and why it's crucial for caregivers to honor their own needs during and after the caregiving journey. Let's dive into her story now, and I will check back in with you at the end. Welcome to the Talk About Cancer podcast. Let's start with a quick intro and have you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and anything else you'd like to share with our listeners. First off, I want to thank you so much, Serena, for having me on. This is such an amazing platform for people to break down the taboo of, of cancer and not talking about things. It's taken me seven years to want to talk about it, so I'm so glad to have found you. My name is Angel McGinn. I, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. I was born and raised here. I am a nurse by profession, but I was a caregiver to my mom seven years ago. Well, actually, it started 10 years ago. She passed away with breast cancer seven years ago, so I was her primary caregiver, kind of know-it-all <laughs> nurse and still her daughter on top of that, which made it even more difficult. So that's the introduction of who I am and the tidbit of why I'm on this podcast today. Thank you so much for that intro. You know, what immediately popped into my mind, how do you think being a nurse <laughs> impacted your journey as a caregiver to your mom? How do you think that might have been different if you weren't already kind of in the medical profession? It's good and bad <laughs> because you know the lingo, you know, when they're talking about things, kind of the severity of what's going on. So you, there's not that anxiety there of what are they talking about? I need to go home and doctor Google this um, and then get completely freaked out. I know the right questions to ask, the right people to ask the right questions too. But at the same time, it was very hard to know those truths. <laughs> and um, my mom was a nurse as well. So she knew those truths as well. Wow. Uh, it was very hard for us to get those truths across to my stepdad and to other family members, but it was a great resource for us to have that knowledge, but it did change. It did make it very different for us. Can you expand on what you mean by it was hard to get it across? Like, was it just as hard to get the idea across or it was hard because you felt like you had to bear the bad news for the rest of the family? It was hard to get it across to the rest of the family to getting People, in the end, when mom's cancer went to her brain, she spent weeks in radiation every single day. It was palliative. You know, people don't understand what that means. A lot of the family thought that this was going to cure something, that this was going to prolong her life. And it did prolong things, but the inevitable was that she was going to pass, that this was palliative to try to shrink the masses in her head so that she wouldn't have so much nausea and vomiting, so that there wouldn't be so many headaches. And I don't know how well that was grasped by some people in the family. So it was very hard. You know, it was a very hard conversation to have, you know, seeing the lack of understanding of what was going on and the lack of the, you know, the verbiage, you know, to have to be like, no, this doesn't mean this is going to cure her. Like to be the bearer of the news that, this, that she's going to die from this and it's going to be soon. How did you decide what to share and not to share? Did the two of you consult each other? Yeah, we talked about it. 
it was different with every person, you know, some people wanted it straightforward, tell us what's going on. Other people wanted it a little lighter. So, you know, in that too, it, with us, we're both very blunt. She was very blunt and I'm a very blunt person. So I don't believe in beating around the bush with what the reality of the situation is, but some people just can't handle that. So we had to give that in like increments of this is what's going on now. It's kind of turned into this, but all along we knew that the inevitable was that this was just palliative and that she was going to pass from this. So, What did you find most difficult with the journey you had to go through with your mom as her caregiver? Knowing the truth, <laughs> knowing myself that I was going to lose my mom. <laughs> the reality of that, you go through the, the appointments and the, the medications and the chemo and all the side effects and all that, but to really grasp, you know, I'm going to, and my mom wasn't just my mom. My mom was everything. She was my best friend. You know, she was that first phone call in the morning, the last call at night, good things, bad things, everything. She was, she was everything. So to know that I was going to lose that, I didn't even know what that was going to look like. You know, what is my life going to look like when this is all said and done, but to keep it together for her <laughs> to put on face and show up every day and let's have breakfast, even though she didn't want to eat anything, you know, and she um, had moved out of the bedroom that she and my stepdad shared because, you know, she was never comfortable, couldn't sleep. And I would go to open that door to the room she was in every day. And I'm like, is this going to be the last day I'm going to open this door? You know, so I would just, just stand outside the door <laughs> for the longest time. And then I would open the door and be like, is she breathing? You know, and it's nothing you can prepare yourself for, even though you have time, you know, when someone's sick like that, it's just, you're never ready. I don't know if you know, but I, I started this podcast because I was a caregiver to my dad probably during the last like two and a half years of his life. And so I relate to what you're saying. I constantly ask myself, like every time something changed, right, in the health condition, in just like his status, it's like, is this the beginning of the end? Right. And then also it's like, what does the end mean? Right. It's hard to even process that your parents who are these never going to be wrong, never going to, you know, leave. They're just like bulletproof. All of a sudden they're not bulletproof. And what does your life even look like without them? It's all you've ever known. So it's very scary. Also what you said about just trying to hold yourself together, yeah. right? For them, even though sometimes explain sort of this very circular experience that happens when you go through a journey like this as a caregiver, it's like, the patient doesn't want to be a burden, doesn't want to make you sad, but you see them sad. So then you yourself get sad. You don't want them to see yourself sad because it makes them sad. So it's just like this like vicious cycle. Vicious cycle, like, exactly, of everybody trying to put a face. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Trying to like hold it together, but yeah. there's like so much. Everybody's crumbling inside. Yeah, take care of mom. And I would cry all the way home. What did you do to get through that period? Like, what were some things you did to take care of yourself? Where did you find the strength to keep it together? My, we moved to Arizona from Louisville, Kentucky when my son was six weeks old to be with my mom, to be with her that last year to make the most of the time that we knew that we had. We knew our time was limited. I had a baby. I had a little bitty baby looking at me in the morning going, what's for breakfast? You know, I didn't have time to do a lot of self-care. And I think that that kind of, I hit it, you know, and I went on and I went on and I went on. And, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today is, is giving yourself that time and, and taking care of yourself while you are the caregiver. And then afterwards too, can't just 
push through everything because you're a strong woman. You want to show everybody how strong you are. You know, it, there's a lot of healing that needs to happen during the process. A lot of self-love and healing while you're that caregiver, while you're that daughter or son that's losing their parent or their grandparent. And then afterwards as well. It's so important. And, and so many of us don't do it because we're, we don't need it. We don't need that. <laughs> we think we don't need it. Yeah. I mean, we could dive right into that. Yeah. I guess at what point, because it sounds like you had a newborn and then all of a sudden the news break about your mom, you get there to try to take care of her and you're just going, right? Yeah. Going Tell us going. a little bit about what that process was and then how did you figure out eventually something was wrong? You know, my mom was my hero in life. I watched her my whole life handle it all. She had me and my twin brother. She worked. She put herself through college. That's what I grew up as. She was my hero. That was my idol. So that's all I knew how to do was go, 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 get it all done and smile while you're doing it. Like it's nobody's business. Like you just got this. I did that in my adult life. And then when she got sick, it was like, well, this is okay. We can move with a six week old baby, move across the country and take on the world and do all this and make the most of everything. And I can be her caregiver. I can work full time. I can be a new mom. I can be a great wife. I was burning it. (laughs) I had pots stewing on every burner and I thought I was doing it. I was doing it. I did it successfully did it the whole time. So we were out there for a year, her last year. And even when she was, you know, in hospice, I was coordinating, getting everybody in what was going on. I mean, I really thought I was, you know, I was daughter of the year. I had it all going on when she passed. I was at the hospice facility with her. It was me and her sisters and her, my stepdad. I don't even remember crying. You know, I held it together for all of them and we packed up her stuff. The next couple of days we went through all her stuff. I never cried. I didn't need to cry. It was okay. You know, mom was at peace. And then I blinked and it's been seven years. <laughs> I've been doing that for seven years. Put myself bachelor's degree program and I just kept myself busy. I think that that was my coping mechanism was to just stay busy. And that's what the world tells us to do too. I remember even after she passed, it was, you know, you got to keep going. You got to stay busy. And Okay, I can do that. I'm good at that. So that's what I did. And now I'm realizing seven years later that, holy crap, I'm falling apart. Why am I falling apart all of a sudden? I've changed jobs several times. I feel like my relationships with you know people I should be closest with aren't thriving. I myself, I'm not happy in what I'm doing. You know, just like nothing, despite how hard I went at everything and how hard I tried to make everything right, nothing was right. And I finally decided back in January, you know, to, to seek out some help. And I realized in, in all, and through that, opening that first door, doing something for myself to kind of see what is wrong, it's opened so many other doors. And, and the truth is I never allowed myself the time to grieve. I never slowed things down long enough to cut out all the noise and just be present at the time it needed to be my grief. And to go through that process, I just went straight to being accepting of it. And that it was God's will. You know, as a Christian, we tell ourselves that too. This is God's will. We have to be okay with this. You know, I knew she was at peace and she wasn't hurting anymore. So that's, I just went straight from, okay, I'm going to cry a little bit. I'm going to have a couple hospice counseling appointments and then we'll be good. You know, I'm just going to accept it. And I don't think that I allowed myself time to really mourn that loss. And I think so many people do that. I don't know why, (laughs) because it's not good, (laughs) but it took me seven years to realize. It's our culture. It is. You just keep going. You know, I mean, you get what, three days off bereavement. You don't even have time to bury your family member and you got to get back to work. I mean, (laughs) I know. I mean, you know, and I know it's real. And I just I know that there's so many other people out there that that are in the same spot as me. 
I felt like an orphan. <laughs> my dad had died two years prior to my mom dying. Mm. I have a brother, but we're, we weren't very close. You know, so both of my parents are gone. Here I am in the world. What do I do? I have nobody to confide in. I have nobody to guide me. You know, I've just got that grit that my mom put in me and I just kept going. But the truth is I needed to stop and seek out help and resources and have like build myself a new circle around myself instead of just being this lone warrior in the world, you know, taking it all on. I needed to seek out other people that had lost their parents. I needed to seek out, you know, people that were caregivers. I needed to go to counseling more than twice with hospice. You know, those things are so important. I don't know why I didn't do it, but if anybody gets anything out of this podcast, it would take that time for yourself and not, I think that we see it as weak. You're not strong enough to get up the next day and go back to it. Then you're weak. And that's just not true. You're not honoring that person by giving yourself the grace to be upset, to not be okay. It's okay not to be okay for a while, you know, but live and learn, (laughs) live and learn. Just based on what you said about who your mom was, I mean, you said she was your idol, and we learn how to deal with everything in life by watching, right. you know, people who raise us. And so, to me, it sounded like you never saw her do it. So it's almost like you didn't have permission right. to say, hey, I actually do need to take time to do this. And it's totally okay because it's human for us all to be able to take a moment, at least a moment. I remember that when my when my dad passed away, I got five days of bereavement leave. And I was like, wait, one week? Nothing else flows, right? Because as soon as the person dies, there's all this like estate things you have to right. take care of, like the financial stuff that you have to sort through. I had to sort through that with my mom. So there was no sense of like, okay, yeah, life is going to give you a break and actually let you slow down. It's like everything else just keeps going. Boom, 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 boom. Everything else keeps going. And then there's more on your plate with all of that, everything you're left with. And like, I didn't even have my dad to look to, you know, or anybody to look to, to help me. I'm just standing there in this pile of stuff, just going hundred million miles a minute. You know, there was no slowing down. My husband has two children here back in Kentucky. So we moved back home because he had children here. You know, we had left them to go to Arizona to care for my mom. So, of course, we felt compelled to go back home to be with his children. So here we are a month later moving back to Kentucky. Like we had a house to pack. I mean, I had a job to find. I mean, it was insanity. Yeah. And then it's like I blinked and it's been seven years. Yeah. And I'm wondering why nothing's right. (laughs) It's just been crazy. So, and I, you know, I've come up with oh, every excuse and, oh, it was them with that job and it was this with this and it was, th- no, it was me. It's me. I'm the common denominator and all of those things that haven't been right. You know, that reflection and that's a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> Sometimes there's something going on with you and that you're the problem. <laughs> I was the problem. Mm. And it was all that untended to emotion, all of that unhealed pain was following me into everything that I was doing. Once you came to that realization about yourself, how did you figure out what to do next? I had changed jobs so many times and I just became very disenchanted post-COVID. Imagine that Um, (laughs) with with nursing. Understandable. (laughs) I reached out to a life life coach to kind of help me figure out, you know, where am I going with my life? I don't feel like I'm fulfilled in this. I want to do something else. 
just to kind of take that first step to say, you know what, I need help in some fashion. I opened that door and I can't even tell you how many doors have opened since then with different women that are doing their own thing, with different opportunities that have come up with me speaking to you, for instance. Yay! It's like once you take that first step to say, you know what, I matter and what I need matters, the floodgates just open. It's just that is the hardest step to take. Especially as women, you know, we don't need anything. I don't need anybody's help. And I was that way in nursing. I don't need, you know, you have all these people like, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? I don't need anything. I got this under control until you realize you don't have it under control. But really taking that first step, what, and it could be with counseling. It could be with a life coach. It could be doing meditation. Something to take time for yourself. And once you start taking time for yourself, then you realize all the noise is kind of quieted. And you hear those Hey, you never dealt with me. Hey, I'm still here. Nobody ever, nobody's ever talked to me about this that happened seven years ago. Your inner voice, you just start talking to yourself. And that's when you start realizing you have all these realizations. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, it's, it was me that was the problem. So that's kind of been my personal journey. I'm sure that everybody's is different. But my life has exponentially changed this year in taking that first step to take care of myself and to feel worthy enough that it's not a weakness, but that I'm worthy enough to do something for myself because obviously I need something and I'm, I'm missing. <laughs> Something's missing. How did you find that quietness for yourself to be able to hear what was going on? I think that I finally told myself these things that keep coming up, these things that I keep wanting to do, but like my inner voice kept telling me, you need to do this. Those things that keep coming up, those thoughts that keep coming up, man, I really need some time off or man, I really need to do this or man, I really want to do yoga or you know what I'm saying? Those things that we just want to do, there's a reason why our spirit needs that. Mm -hmm. I knew I've known for years that I needed to make a career change and finally just trusting that, that it's not just a thought. If there's something that comes up 10 years in a row, you might want to listen to that little voice that's telling you, take that retreat take that vacation, talk to this person, go to counseling. It's almost like we know, but we don't want to hear it because then, you know, we would have to actually care about our, about ourselves. Um, I think that I just finally, I finally heard that voice and was like, fine, <laughs> fine, I'll do it. You know, fine. And I'm telling you, I should have done it seven years ago. Yeah. Whatever that divine is for people, whether it's the universe or God or, or whatever, I feel that we're very connected and that energy is always trying to get across to us, especially in times when we need. And for some reason, we don't want to hear it. You know, in all those years, I felt so alone and so orphaned. And the, the truth is those, the, that voice was with me the whole time. You know, God was with me the whole time. My mom on the other side with me the whole time trying to say, Angel, wake up, listen to us. I wasn't ready to, I guess, I didn't know. <laughs> like you said, I mean, I didn't know to accept that and to, to follow those voices, to follow myself. That's trusting yourself, to trusting the voices that are whatever it is that you believe in, you know, trusting that you have to trust. <laughs> you have to just trust. How did your family react to the changes that you decided to take? It's been very interesting. So, you know, I start with this life coach. It's going to be a couple hundred dollars a month. And then 
this VIP day that's a couple, you know, hundred dollars. And then there's this <laughs> convention that's coming in the fall here in Louisville, Kentucky called Summit of Slay. I'm going to that. That's several hundred dollars. And I'm going to Reiki sessions every week. And that's not cheap. My husband at first was like, whoa, like, whoa, what's going on? Who? I mean, he was looking at me like I had three heads. But I mean, I just like, like I did with that voice. You just you hold true to the fact that you know that you're listening to God, to the universe, whatever it is telling you, you need to do this and to knowing that you're worth doing it. And you just, those who really love you will eventually see, look how she's changing. This is good for her. And this is going to be really good for us. I think that it takes a minute, <laughs> those growing pains, mm-hmm. you know, for everybody else to kind of understand, like they think you've lost your mile. Oh, it's seven years. <laughs> Angels finally lost it. But to know that I haven't lost it, that I found it. And then I'm finding myself and then I'm finding that healing and then it's opening all these doors for me and it's going to open all these doors for my family. And, but it's a transition. It was interesting for about a month. <laughs> it was very, March was very interesting at my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So you would say that your husband has come around? Yes. He's with me every step now. He's like, do you think you could do Reiki on me? And I'm like, I'm not a Reiki healer. Like, you have to go <laughs> see Nona. <laughs> like, but like, he's believing all of it, you know, and I'm in this intuition development course that was several hundred dollars as well. But like, I've done meditations and like, seen my mom and gotten messages from my mom. I've gotten messages from the baby we lost two years ago, like mm. the healing that's just come along with those things. You know, I've always wanted to talk to a psychic medium and see if my mom was on the other side and if she was okay on the other side. And and she came across in my first psychic session, she and my dad came across and they were in heaven to get that their energies were together in heaven and that they were happy. And I'm like, the light years of healing that that did for me to know that they're that my dad, for one, who he died, you know, with an alcohol addiction, you know, that he made it to heaven. And that mm. he was happy there, just that peace, you know, I knew my mom was going to heaven. She was like, Jesus's right hand gal, you know, <laughs> I mean, if there was an angel on earth, she was it, I knew she was going. So I never worried that she wasn't there. But I just wanted to feel connected with her again. Yeah, with that little voice for years, angel, go see a psychic. Angel, go see a psychic. Angel, go see a psychic. Never went. Mm. If I had done this seven years ago and known that my mom was okay okay in heaven, that's what I'm saying. Those things that are coming up, those things that you want to do, do them and do them now mm-hmm. because there's a reason why they're coming to you. There's a reason why you're feeling like you need to do it. And it's all part of your healing. It's all part of your growth. It's all part of where you're going next step. Is that what you mean by how that then opened more doors for you? Yes. Okay. When I started listening, Angel, go to yoga. Angel, go see a psychic. Angel, take this intuition development course because you've always felt like you you had that, but you need to develop it. Light years. <laughs> the things we're doing in that class and the, the places that I'm going during these meditations and the things that I'm seeing and the things that I'm able to do. My psychic medium is like, girl, <laughs> this is what le- you're legit, you know, but I would have never had the confidence, you know, to do that or would have done it before because I didn't. It was just something I need to go on the back burner. I'm never going to do that. I'll get to that later. But now that I'm doing it. You know, my husband, every, you've got something every night. You've got this meeting on Tuesday and this on Wednesday and this on Thursday. You're so He's busy. Jealous. Yeah, he had his little, you know, little man meltdown after like four Give days. Give me attention, of, please. After like four days of doing the housework and putting the baby to bed. He's not a baby anymore. He's eight. But putting him in bed and all that. You know, he's like, I can't do this. Like, we've worked through all that. I mean, it, it is a transition. And when you step up and say, no, I'm going to do something for myself. I do for the kids. I do for you. I do for the house. I do for work. I'm going to do something for me. I'm going to listen to those voices life-changing, life-changing and that healing, all that healing that I didn't even know that I needed. Because you have to heal from all of that before you can go forward. Mm -hmm. It's like I've been in this toxic circle, like this downward spiral that will never end, you know, with jobs and with everything. 
And until you stop that cycle, until you heal and deal with some of that stuff, you're never going to be able to get anywhere else. Yeah. So that's my been my realization in the past few months. <laughs> I just, I see so much like passion that's like, what I'm when you talk it's about like, this part. It's, it's like, so, you uh, live it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm loving every minute of it. And it's like, I can't have the money. So I found money. I started selling things in my house or asked for birthday money early so I could pay for things. Like where there's a will, there's a way. The things in your house that you're not using, get rid of them. And put that money towards yoga. Put that money towards Reiki. Put that money towards counseling. Whatever you need to do. Get it done. Yeah. Get it 100% done. 100% with you there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like all Americans have way too much stuff <laughs> in their I house. Room, rooms full of stuff. I mean, like, this, this entire basement is a hot mess, and we don't even realize it because we don't ever <laughs> down here, you know? Like, it's so pointless. Yeah. And, and that's a big thing, too. Purging all of that clutter, all of that noise in your house. That There's huge healing in that huge healing in that. Yes. Yeah. And then just having those simple things around the things that you actually need in your space. It's almost like clearing your head, clearing your email, clear your house, clear, clear the clutter. Yeah. Can I just ask what is Reiki? Oh my gosh. So it is a form of healing. It's involves energy movement in your body. So when you have, you know, you have your chakras in your body that you're like energy centers, there's seven of them. And energy kind of flows through your body. So when we have traumas or we have fears or we have things that are not dealt with, that that energy doesn't flow correctly through your body. And it can cause, you know, physical issues as well as mental problems. Reiki sessions are different for every single person, but they, the Reiki instructor, I don't say instructor, I don't know, healer. I guess she's a healer. She is a healer. They place their hands over you and they can manipulate that energy to kind of get that energy flowing. And she's not only doing the Reiki sessions with me, but also kind of teaching me some little tidbits on how to move energy within myself as well. So having those, it's almost like meditation, you know, different like pressure point areas that you can hold that kind of affect how that energy will flow into and out of or through your body. And I'm able to do some of it myself and get some things out of it. Wow. Just as a lay person without being, you know, Reiki certified, I've had some healing things happen when I'm going through my chakras myself. And then when she does it, it's like, I mean, I'm like seeing colors, all these different colors and like all these different visions are coming to me. And it's like all things that I need to work. I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. If you believe in that, you have to be believing it and be willing to accept the Reiki. But I'm telling you, I never thought it was going to be as awesome. Like, I mean, I'm going every week now. Mm So (laughs) that it's just, it's awesome. It helped me with fatigue. Like one time I told her I'm really tired and, you know, she's moving my energy around and I left there, felt like I I drank 15 Red Bulls for three days after that. I mean, it's just crazy how it works. <laughs> I mean, if you believe in all that, which I do, I believe in we're all made of atoms. We're all made of energy. Energy's constantly moving. So if that's your thing, if you got something telling you to go do Reiki, do it. Same thing with yoga, that meditation and that movement and that rhythmic, that's rhythmic motion and energy. Same thing. There's so much healing I do yoga. I've been oh. doing yoga for a long time. I love it. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm not like a very like avid yoga person though, but I do know that I generally need to do it at least once a week. Yeah. And if I don't, if I start to miss like consecutively, like, I could just tell like it's like right. I'm missing that moment to just be and process and then also just stretching out my body right. too is actually a huge part of it for me because I get all achy from work and sitting in front of a computer for right. too long. Right. Know? Well, they say that brings your body back into alignment, whatever it is that you do like routinely to care for yourself and to kind of quiet 
you know, quiet that noise and everything that that's your like bringing yourself back into alignment. So that weekly yoga is bringing you back into alignment exactly. where you can be at your best. So yeah, weekly, weekly Reiki, weekly coaching calls, weekly intuition development <laughs> class. They're all bringing me into alignment right now. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for explaining that about Reiki because yeah. Yeah. I know it's like an Eastern tradition, but I don't actually know <laughs> what it is. So thanks for explaining. Yeah, I've got a lot to learn about it too, but I'm like, I'm I'm hooked. You know what I'm saying? When you do something <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that was powerful. And then like each session is so different yeah. that you know that it's real. Like it's not like something that's being made to happen. Like this has got to be real because every single time it's different and every single time I'm getting exactly what I need. Mm. So it's odd. I mean, it's not odd and it's not crazy. My, my psychic keeps telling me, no, it's synchronicity. That's the divine angel. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Like the universe knows what you need and that's what you're getting. I had an experience with acupuncture. I was skeptical. Yeah. Going into it because I had all this like back spasm that I was getting and it was getting to a point where it was kind of painful to tie my shoes. So somebody had recommended to me and gave me a warning too. Was like, okay, you're gonna be a little bit weirded out at first because he's exactly. gonna have this plate of crystals that he's gonna use, right, to diagnose you. But just trust me when I say that he's the real deal. He's gonna fix you. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Because you're like, what is actually happening in here right now when you first walk in, and then it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and yeah. I had a 15 minute session. Right, he poked me and my. My wrists and my ankles, and then 15 minutes later, he's like, "Okay, try to touch your toes." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "I haven't done that in like six months." He's like, "It's okay, just try. If you can't do it, that's okay, but just try." And then I bend over, and there was nothing in See? my back. Like just, I was like, oh, "Magic!" Yeah. See, <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's such, real. <laughs> it's such. It's almost like that metaphor of like trusting your voice, trusting that voice that you're hearing. These things are like, that's crazy. I'm not going to listen to, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do that. But when yeah. you do, you're like, why did I wait so long? Mind blown. <laughs> like how many thousands of dollars in a leave? How much a leave have I taken? I probably have ulcers now. Like I should have just gone and had a Reiki session or I should have just gone to acupuncture. Like people healed themselves for thousands of years without all this modern medicine. So there's got to be something to it. And it's real. I attest to it. It's real. <laughs> it is real. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Before we close, I just want to ask, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners out there? Now, just in conclusion, you know, take that time for yourself while you're in it. Take the time for yourself afterwards. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to need things. It's okay to need help and need other people. It's actually essential <laughs> to ask for help and to surround yourself with people that can help you through that healing process. It's absolutely essential to have a circle of people around you your whole life, honestly, but especially in times where you're grieving and trying to heal to have resources and have other people around you to surround yourself with that love and to be present enough to realize that you need that help and, that, and to enjoy the things that are still in front of you. It's very hard when you lose someone to see past what's happened, bring yourself out of that sadness. It's very hard not to fear. For me, the same thing happening, high risk for breast cancer now to have that fear and kind of live in that fear every year of, oh my gosh, I've got to start going for mammograms and I have to have an MRI. But to do that stuff so that you can be proactive in your health because you are high risk and you need to do that so that you can be around for those that will potentially end up being your caregiver, you know, so that your kids don't have to go through the same thing you went through. Be present with the people that love you now that are still here because that's the gift that God has given you is, is the present 
and do everything you can in the present to make your future available instead of worrying about the past, worrying about the future, and then you blink and it's been seven years and you don't know how you got there. The only time that's real is the present. Thank you for that message. I mean, you keep saying seven years, but hey, never too late, right? <laughs> never too late. <laughs> and you're going to be give yourself some grace with that too. Some people it's five years, some people it's 20 years, but everybody's journey looks different and it takes us all our own amount of time to kind of come to these realizations. All that matters is that we get here. It's not, it's about the, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination, you know? So embracing your journey. Well, thank you so much, Angel, for coming to share your experience. And I, I could just see, I think during our conversation, you're reflecting on the past and how much exuberance and excitement you have when you're talking about the things that you have found for yourself and how excited you are for what may come in the future. Really happy for you and thank you for sharing that with others. And that's the point. You know, that's why I came on here. I just want to share how I've gone from be, you know feeling completely lost and to that realization and then just feeling completely filled back up with life. Like there is hope wherever you're at in your journey. It, it can get better. It can be better. You just, you got to take those steps for yourself. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I loved hearing and actually seeing the transformation Angel is going through in her life during our conversation. It was obvious that when we talked about her experience with her mom's cancer care, there was still a mix of sad emotions there. But when we started to talk about this new path she's on towards healing and new possibilities, everything changed. She smiled and laughed, moved around in her seat with excitement, gesturing with her hands. The enthusiasm for the future was palpable, and it's truly wonderful to see. As we kept chatting after the recording, it became more clear to me that the thing that brought some of the repressed emotions to the surface was Angel's experience working in the hospital during COVID and having to witness so many families say goodbye under awful circumstances. For those of us not in the medical profession, we knew that things were awful for people working in hospitals this past year, but Angel's story made it even more real for me. What a struggle it has been and how much the medical professionals have had to endure not just with explosions in the number of patients to take care of, but the emotional trauma and triggers that came with the experience. I've been saying this elsewhere, but I'm going to take a moment to say thank you here again to medical professionals who have been taking care of our communities during this crisis. I hope all of you are listening to your inner voices and finding a way forward like Angel has. And that's a wrap for today. Please follow the podcast if you would like to hear more stories from cancer survivors, caregivers, and family members. I would really appreciate it if you can leave an honest rating and review so I know if I'm serving the needs and interests of you listeners out there. You can also share any feedback and suggestions directly to me by visiting talkaboutcancerpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.